Hello Healthcare, the worst thing that can happen in healthcare marketing. Your programs are resonating. You've activated your patient base. You've driven volume to service lines, yet no one believes you. Data storytelling is the difference between falling flat or securing the budget and trust that's needed to grow your strategy and team. However, the future of data storytelling is evolving in ways that I didn't even expect. Leaders are becoming more sophisticated and there are even newer technologies like natural language generation that tell data stories for us. Whoa. So does that mean our spreadsheets are going to start talking to us? Maybe. We spoke with Lindsay Manna, the EVP of business development at Aria in order to find out. Consumer experiences, major disruptors in AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. I'm Chris Hemphill, VP of Applied AI at Actium Health, and we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future in healthcare. Hello, healthcare. I'm Craig Karchner, AVP of Marketing and Customer Experience at Honor Health. I'm excited that I'll be speaking at this year's HMPS in Salt Lake City. My topic is CRM is dead. Long live CRM intelligence. You might be thinking CRM's not dead and you might be right. Come to the session and find out why I think it is. I'll share real examples of how AI can help healthcare leaders be more agile and produce meaningful results. We'll have some fun with this one. I really hope you can make it. Lindsay, I thought it would be good just to learn a little bit more about your background. Could you talk about like what's fueled this path and why you're now interested in data storytelling in general? Well, I think ultimately I've always been very passionate about helping other people. That's the constant, right? How can I make a difference? What is my purpose today on this planet? So how can I help others? So yes, as a musician, I started going to university and majored in music. So as a musician, we're sharing our gift with others, right? The gift of music. And ultimately that's to make other people feel the joy that we feel, right? And to share that gift and to give a little piece of yourself away every time when you're a performer or a musician. So certainly there's a constant, but I quickly in my first year of university fell in love with economics and analytics and and math. And so I've, I've always been a lover of math. And we were talking before this session a lot of mathematicians are musicians. There is a direct relationship between math and music. So I think about eight out of 10 people that I ask here at ARIA and that I ask out in the field that are analysts either have a deep love for music or are musicians themselves. So that's an interesting connection there. But I'd say my path really was very, very much catapulted by where I came from. So my parents are serial entrepreneurs. If that is a true label and definition, that is who they are. And so that's been around me my whole life. So although I had a passion for business and analytics and economics, I used that everything that I learned there and applied that in the business space, helping to bring companies from startup to public many times and helping build build businesses and fulfilling lots of different roles throughout the way. So my journey has been unique, but I am very fortunate and blessed to be surrounded by the best of the best in terms of building businesses and making them successful. So certainly a unique story, but always focused in technology and in software that really can be a change agent for paving a new path and a new way to do things. Prior to ARIA, 
I actually built a long-term care pharmacy. And then before that, I was part of a company called Diligent. And that was the first of its kind digital board, board paper. And that was in the Enron Times and Sarbanes-Oxley. So always new, innovative tech, changing the way people do things, empowering people to have more time and, and make a difference. And that's really what data storytelling empowers. And we'll be able to talk more about that today. Cool. One thing I want to emphasize is like, we're talking about a transition from art into math and data. And I think that a lot of people might look at what it takes to become data-driven, or they might look at that as a, a halo, but maybe if somebody doesn't have a math background or a science or technology background, they might be intimidated by that. I think it's just really important for folks to hear from someone who has gone from the art side to the data side. And like as people strive to be data-driven, I, I just think it's important to get those kinds of stories out and appreciate that. Yeah, well, real quick, let's talk about that connection, right? Because what makes humans human is our ability to be creative right? Is our ability to be artistic, is our ability to communicate through language to one another. And so what's fascinating to me now about where technology is and specifically artificial intelligence is that yes, data, math, analytics, science, the ability to code, those are all important skills, but we also need writers, right? People that know how to communicate, people that can recreate a story, a story. And that is a very creative skill. So if you are going to make a human like technology, something that is not so artificially human, but very human, <laughs> as human as it can get, you need people that are artistic to contribute to how that virtual digital human is going to behave. So at Aria, we really lean on creative writing and creative writers, which is, is a skill of the arts to recreate how a human would communicate to another human. So there is a place for everyone. And certainly as we get into artificial intelligence, where you're trying to create human-like experiences, you need those creative skills. So great. And I like the emphasis on the fact that there is a place for everyone. And when we take a step back and ask ourselves of what's holding us back from being data-driven or what's holding us back from being from being able to tell effective data stories, there's kind of two overarching parts I, th I thought it would be interesting to get into. One part is the fact that your profile on LinkedIn focuses on the passion about data literacy. So I'm curious, what's holding people or organizations back from a data literacy perspective and, and being able to tell effective data stories and convince or communicate with leadership about data stories. It's a bridge of accessibility is really what's holding people back. The data is there. Now I can access that data, but not everybody can have a level playing field when it comes to understanding or comprehension. The ability to analyze that data, the ability to understand in a way that is in line with my level of understanding, right? Different constituents have different kind of baselines and skill levels. So I think it's that bridge to facilitate understanding and comprehension and democratizing that ability, democratizing accessibility to that bridge. That's the key. So can your data tell an effective story? Can your data communicate to everyone within the organization, regardless of skill level, regardless of knowledge level, in a way that they can understand and then do something with. So understanding, comprehension, now I'm knowledgeable and I can take that data because I understand it now. I can take that data and do something with it. It's 
actionable now. It's intelligence that now I can change the path of my department or change a marketing initiative that can help us achieve our goals. So I think that the, the, the stopgap right now for many companies is, do I have a way to give everybody in my organization access to that? It's that bridge, it's accessibility to, to that information in a way that they can consume it, in a way that everyone can consume it. And not everybody can consume hundreds of thousands of rows and millions of, or hundreds of thousands of columns and millions of rows, right? That's a lot, that's really overwhelming. Not everybody's a data analyst. So how do we make that accessible to everybody? That's the trick. And uh, I know that we're, we're probably planning on getting deeper on this in a minute, but just curious about any examples on demonstrate kind of data literacy challenges. We talk about internal applications. And today, of course, my expertise is data to language, which is known as NLG, so data to language. Internal use cases within an organization is going to help us understand both all different aspects of the organization, financial, what's driving my campaign, where are the leads coming from? What can I do more of? How can I impact, right, my marketing initiatives? How do I actually do that? There's a lot of data that's going to tell us where to go and what to do. And so internally, I'm going to use that as a powerful tool to guide my next most intelligent business decision, right, or, or decision as a manager or leader. And then externally, externally facing, right, it's also true one-to-one -one marketing. So if we kind of stick with the marketing thread, I want to give a very specific message to this person. I know a lot about that person. How do I constantly change that message with the data that I have so it feels like it's a message just for me, right? I'm a consumer. I want to receive something that's written just for Lindsay Mana, not a marketing message that's written for a bucket of people or a large population. So either way, if you think about it, whether I'm an internal, inside the organization consumer of information, right, in words that I can understand, or I'm outside of the organization, it's meeting people where they are. So meeting people that I can identify with myself, right? If you're giving me marketing content and I'm outside, or if I'm internal to the organization, meeting me with information that's relevant to me, that I can, that's useful to me and that I can understand. We get into a, a new territory when we, when we think about like how we individu individualize our presentations and communications, data stories to, let's say that we want to give a presentation to our chief financial officer or somebody who's going to have a different perspective and different metrics they're focused on than us. We were talking about the, the data lit literacy limitations, but what about any kind of technology limitations and being able to tell those stories? Like, well, what are some common limitations that you see in terms of, well, hey, I have an understanding on how to tell these stories, but it just doesn't work in my organization. What are some of the tech barriers that you've seen? Wow. Well, I'd say historically, it was organized data. I was talking about data accessibility and that bridge to it. If it's not there to begin with, <laughs> right, we have a problem. I think more and more companies are data focused and focused on collecting data and organizing that data. Historically, we had a lot of companies that weren't collecting the data, weren't organizing that data. So it starts with data accessibility. And I'm not talking accessibility like comprehension. I'm talking about having it in the first place. <laughs> so making sure you're collecting the data and that it's organized is going to really turbocharge your ability to use more powerful technologies like natural language generation 
to communicate that to internal and external constituents and then let it work for you, get the data really working for you. So having it and having it organized and clean should be a best practice for any company that's collecting data. Collect a lot of it as much as you'd like, but make sure that it's organized and structured so that you can use it. Perfect. And I love that example because in healthcare, what you're hitting on, even if a health system, like let's say they have two instances of the same electronic medical record, even those might not be able to talk to each other. So the types of insights that would be valuable across the enterprise aren't available until there's a whole lot of connection that happens. But that very start, getting all the data together, I mean, that, that's what we need to do to be able to drive insights and predictions and things like that. So that touches on one of the biggest challenges that people have when focused on that. Yeah, and if you're using two different EMR systems and they don't talk to each other, that's okay. But let's make sure that you're pulling that data into a unified database. So fine, right? They don't talk to each other, no big deal. But you want to get all that data in one place so that you can use it. So because uh, both the data coming from both EMR systems are going to help you tell the full picture if you're using two. Indeed. So that opens the door for us to dig a little bit deeper on the new stuff that y'all are working on and this three-letter acronym you've been dropping, NLG, Natural Language Generation. I can't wait to dig, uh, dig a little bit deeper on that. So let's say there's a situation where for a given use case or for, for a given department, there's a data set that's available. Could you talk to us about like getting to the basics on what natural language generation actually is and how it relates to data storytelling? Absolutely. It blew my mind when I saw it for the first time. And I know you referenced another talk that I did where I know exactly where I was when I saw it for the first time. But essentially what natural language generation is, is you're taking structured data and you're turning it into words. So into written language, any language, but into written words. And so what fascinated me as an economist, as a lover of math, is I had no idea that my brain was doing mathematical calculations to physically say a word. And if I think about it too hard right now, <laughs> it's hard to speak because you're like, wow. But what we're doing is we're retrieving data. What humans do is I'm retrieving data from my database, which is my brain. That's where my data is coming from right now. And I am mathematically calculating how to tell you what I know, what's in my data base, in a way that you, Chris, and the audience today will understand. And my best way to communicate that is not by drawing pictures, is not by doing a silly dance, but is by speaking to you and telling you in sentences what I know. So I'm gonna transfer my knowledge that's in my database to you. And that's what I'm doing in words. And so that's exactly the process that ARIA replicates with, with our technology. That's exactly what natural language generation is. So we're taking data, with our software that's in a database, not Lindsay's brain, but another database. And we're doing data analytics to that, data to create more data because more data helps you tell a better story. And then we're doing language math. Some people call it language analytics. And this is the math that I never knew existed. And if I could go back in time, I would take lots of classes in university on this because I just love it, but I don't need to because I'm here at ARIA. But it's the math that we do to say words. And the easiest way to understand this is to go back in time, and you might not remember when you were a toddler where you said something was big or small. Mommy, that's big. That was your brain doing a mathematical calculation 
and associating that mathematical result with a word. So very simple, straightforward, maybe a one-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old says big or small, right? But as we get older, <laughs> those mathematical calculations get more complex, and we use words like overperformed or outperformed or underperformed, right? Or beat the trend or whatever it was, right? So we start to use words that are more complex to describe what's happening in data or in something that we know. And then not only do we choose the right words, but we decide how to put those words together, not only in sentences, but in entire thought streams. So all of us at some point learned about summarizing, having three paragraphs to state the facts, and then summarizing again at the end. Everybody learned how to write an essay. Our brains do that too. As humans, when we communicate, I say, well, I want to tell Chris in this audience these things, and this is how I'm going to communicate those things, and then I'm going to summarize it, and I'm going to say it in just a way that Chris and the audience can understand because I know who I'm speaking to. So I decide what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, and how I'm going to deliver that message so that you can understand my data story. And so as humans, we do that. And with ARIA software, we replicate that process so that now you can get your data talking. Now your data can automatically tell its data story in language that you can understand, right? So it can communicate what's happened, how it's happened, why it's happened, and in a way in which whomever we're delivering that story to can really understand that message and then do something with it. So you're really giving your data a voice. Hello Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium CRM intelligence to activate patients and drive meaningful engagement. You can make it simple to identify and predict patient needs by using AI-driven next best actions. Learn more at actiumhealth.com. And now back to the show. I think that's a good lead into a, a question that we got from uh, Alan in the audience, which was just around given this technology, I'm curious about who's doing this well and effectively, and maybe even examples of those data stories on some of these important use cases. Yeah. So I'll talk about specific use cases, but I think those that deserve acknowledgement are doing it. I think we have to start by getting started. And I think that it's the hardest thing to do is say, wow, I've got all this data and I have so much that I wanna learn from this data, so much I wanna be able to communicate. And it can feel overwhelming. Anytime you're learning a new technology, adopting a new piece of software to add to your stack, a lot of people get so overwhelmed that they don't do anything at all. The people that do it most effectively today, certainly have seen a huge pickup in the pharmaceutical industry, which is tangential to healthcare and the ability to understand a lot of pharmaceutical customers that we have here at Aria, top global pharmaceutical companies are using it to start on their financial data, understanding their business, understanding what's driving revenue, where to focus their time, where to focus their energy, what to do more of, what to do less of. So high level executive dashboarding right inside of business intelligence tools, it's organized data, it's accessible, it's clean, and it's very NLG ready. So a lot of our customers will start somewhere where they have a business intelligence dashboard. So I would say start somewhere where you have very organized data. That's where our customers are most successful is when they quickly add us to a business intelligence dashboard. It's easy, 
it's fast and you get a lot of value very quickly. Kind of makes me wonder, let's say that I have this uh, dashboard that's telling me, I'm going to just give kind of a, a marketing example that I'm launched a, uh, a program to reach out to people who might need cardiology services. And over time, like let's say that like on my dashboard, I would probably have a line graph that shows the fluctuations in volume over time. And if I'm getting too excessive, then I would have like all kinds of different things that like break down various zip codes and things like that. But the questions that I'm going to have and the questions that my leadership is going to have are, is this campaign, are these programs, is this outreach performing well? Are we driving the volume that we expect? So I'm curious, when we go down to where it's been used, what kinds of insights or what some of these stories that have been able to tell people who are using it? I think the most exciting thing about our technology is the human behavioral tendencies of a software that's trying to be a human, right? So we're replicating the human process of analytics. So when I'm looking at that line graph, right, for the cardiology service, okay, and I have a program or a campaign that's looking to bring in volumes of leads, right, and possible buyers of that cardiology service, and I see a line that's going up, I see a line that's going up, the first thing we do, that's not where we stop. That one picture, that one line graph, that's not what humans look at. What I do as a human is I look at all of the data. So it's not just one measure, one dimensional. We don't think in a two-dimensional way. How humans think is every piece of data that we can find, why? Why is that line going up? What were the attractors and detractors to the slope of that line? Okay, maybe the, the slope isn't as steep, but it's still inclining, right? So that takes time. That takes time to understand what actually drove that line to go up, what caused the slope to change. And we'll get into performance in a moment, because I want to talk about the you said the word performance. Is it performing well? We'll get there in a second. But just that alone, right, the NLG technology does that work for the human. So now, right, I'm empowered with understanding not only the fact that the line went up, easy, I can see that, right? The numbers are going up. That's very easy to see. And a picture helps us see that. But now, why? Exactly why is that line moving up? And how did that compare to the same time last year? Or how did that compare when we when we ran this campaign or this program to a similar body of people and at another date, right? And so instantly now, to be able to understand in language, right, data storytelling in language, the ability to understand what's driving that helps us pay attention to what's working and what's not working. Now, I do want to articulate too, so what happened, why or how did that happen? And then that third piece, so what, who cares? So what, who cares what's next? So why is that line moving? What caused it to move? And now what do I do about it, right? That subjective piece, right? We can create words to drive those subjective pieces. But I want to talk about performing well really quickly because you said it and it's it's something that I'm very passionate about. I oversee the sales and marketing teams here at Aria and it's just a pet peeve of mine. When we get high click-through rates, the team that's responsible for that goes, we're doing so good. This is a success. We're performing well. Wait a second. Click-through rates does not equal performing well. Right? So <laughs> click-through rates means something's working, but performance ultimately when you're a marketeer equals revenue. Yes. So performing well equals conversion. So if something that I'm doing is performing well, 
that means it's turning into dollars from a marketing perspective. That means it converted to money in the bank. <laughs> so when you look at a trend line of a campaign, right? You have to cross correlate that to the ultimate outcome, which is dollars in the bank. So again, you're not just thinking about one piece, but you have to cross correlate that with all of the other information that you know. And I think that's where the power comes is when you can actually say, this is working. We know why it's working. We know who the buyer is and it's converting and tying those pieces together. It's not a two dimensional story. It's a really a story that's pulling in all the different data that you have access to. And I think that becomes the power here at Aria. You know, we're using data from Marketo. We're using data from our social media tools. We're using data from Google Analytics. And we're using data from Salesforce. We pull that all together inside of our business intelligence tool to tell a comprehensive connected data story. And that that's what I think becomes very powerful, Chris. It's not just about that one line graph. Excellent. So when we think about that, and again, uh, like the line graph I was talking about was in the healthcare niche. Like I, I'm looking at some chart, but really there's all kinds of different things that influence where that line is going and all that. What would the stream say or, or how would it word one, one of those insights that tells us why? It'll say something to effect of this line is trending upwards at either a faster or slower rate. You know, if you want to pull in another time period compared to the same time last year, this increase in trend or, you know, increase in increase in sales, say it's sales data or engagement data was mostly driven or largely contributed by these things. Right. So this is what drove that line to go up. And these were the detractors that prevented a steeper line from occurring. So what analysts will do, and this is obviously the analytics that are programmed into our software, is we're gonna look at what caused that line to go up and what caused that line from not going up as much as it could have. Because you not only have to pay attention to what's working, but you always have to pay attention to what's not working. Because in what's not working is an opportunity to make more things work. So always we're gonna look at the top and bottom and then also part of that story would be something potentially that's harder to see. So sometimes, for example, and maybe you're running a campaign and we've had this happen here at Aria, that is very, very effective from a marketing perspective, but you have a very low spend there. So let's call it a, a Google ad campaign. Okay. And you just haven't put a lot of dollars into it, but the dollars that you did put into it performed very, very well but it wasn't your largest reason why that line went up and it wasn't your big detractor. It was this little piece of information that could be easily missed, right? It's in that gray space and you might not know to pay attention to it. So there's also a lot of algorithm, algorithms that we have built into our software to pay attention to the things that you might miss in the middle and say, well, this campaign performed well, however, right? Your spend was low. Your spend was low. So you might want to take a look at that. So it's really about churning through that data, doing the analytics that humans know how to do on that data, but having our software do it and point out the insights that are important to impact whatever your objective is. So high level, it's going to talk about what's going on. The trend line is increasing. It's going to talk about what attributed to that, what detracted from that, and then some other key things you might want to pay attention to. 
Lindsay, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm really thankful that you came to discuss this. And I feel like there's a reason, like something that you might have wanted to stick with the audience by having this conversation, by talking about data literacy and digging down into the why of how different metrics perform and things like that. So just curious if there's any kind of final thoughts that you'd like for people to reflect on for the rest of this week. Well, I said in the beginning, I've always had a passion for helping other people. So I think that we need to be stewards of our data and think about how can we leverage what we have access to? How can we empower others with that? So I think the final message would be a message of empowerment. Let the data help you help yourself so that you can do more, so that you can have more time spending time doing things that are human-like, <laughs> like building relationships, like being conduits of change in your organization, and less time combing through data. There's plenty of technology that can do that. So you want to help people to understand, help people have comprehension, so you can be change agent within your organization. And ultimately, you're helping other people that are struggling to understand the data. You're helping your business perform better. And you're helping yourself to spend more time doing the things that humans should be doing and humans love to do. So I guess that'd be my last message, Chris, a message of get empowered, let your data work for you so you can do more. I think I want to reemphasize a point that you had made earlier about the fact that being data-driven is for everyone. You don't have to have gone and gotten your master's in, in math to be able to communicate, tell data stories, and help organizations make the right investments when it comes to growing patient care. Lindsay, super appreciate you coming in and joining us. Thanks, Chris. Excited to be here and happy that you had me. And hopefully we get to do it again soon. Thanks again for tuning into Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe to our newsletter on HelloHealthcare.com or join us for our weekly sessions on LinkedIn. Thanks, and when we see you next time, hello. Hello.